From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on November 6, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. In this episode, we are officially a year away from Election Day 2024. Yes, praise be. But a lot has to happen before November 5th, 2024, including the third Republican presidential debate in Miami. Mr. 305, folks, we're going to bring you the latest. And we look at who is in the debate and what the strategy is for the top contenders. Dolly. Also before Election Day will be the South Carolina first in the nation Democratic presidential primary on February 3rd. Not many people are talking about it because, well, it's President Joe Biden's to lose at this point. Mylon Schechter talks with the South Carolina Democratic Party Chair, Crystal Spain. Where is Ms. Schechter been? And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis scored a major endorsement from Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who earlier this year said she wasn't going to endorse anyone. Times change and people change. We look at the importance of this move. The lead also loves hearing from you guys, and you know what doesn't change? The lead... We don't, and neither neither has our voice mailbox greeting, which we promise we will do at some point. You have to hear it before we do it at 803-563-7169. It was, uh, we did it during the middle of the pandemic, so you'll get some uh, idea of that little time capsule there. Let us know what you're doing, what you're up to. We have fallen back. The, the clocks have changed. The leaves are falling. Uh, we need to know how you're feeling about all of this. 803-563-7169. Let's start off politics with a little bit of a planning update. We are, again, one year away from Election Day 2024. (laughs) Yes, it's already marked on your calendar whether you want it or not. The end is nigh, my dear listener. In addition to the presidential election, there will be candidates on your ballot running for Congress and your state House and Senate district as well. Statewide elected officials, as well as Senator Lindsey Graham, are not up for re-election until 2026. So we'll have a wide open governor's race in 2026. And who knows, maybe a certain senator who is running for president who has seen his star fading a bit might be a contender in that one. Who knows? I'm just saying things. Now, while we did just look ahead to 2024, let's not forget about Election Day 2023, which is today if you're listening on November 7th. There are municipal elections happening across the state, as well as some big mayoral races in Greenville, Charleston, and North Charleston. We'll have a recap of the biggest races in Saturday's podcast. Now, if you haven't voted early already, there is still time for you to see who is on your ballot by visiting scvotes.org. You can also find your polling location and much more. Also, don't forget to bring your ID. Now, we are less than 100 days away from the first in the nation Democratic presidential primary here in South Carolina. That's right. And while New Hampshire may try and pull something as it complains that it's always the first in the nation primary... Well, talk to the Democratic National Committee, headed by South Carolinian Jamie Harrison, who, at the request of President Joe Biden, moved South Carolina to the top spot in the nominating calendar, which, for all intents and purposes, is not that big of a deal when you have an incumbent president that the party is rallying behind and they become the nominee. Kind of a foregone conclusion here. Of course, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips, who I accidentally called Ed in the last podcast, 
Yeah, that's what happens when you're so well-known, I suppose. He is pushing as an alternate to Biden and has registered in the New Hampshire primary. Again, Biden will not be on the New Hampshire ballot because the primary is not being sanctioned by the DNC because South Carolina is first. Now, I say all that to say that Mayan Schechter spoke with SCDP chairwoman Crystal Spain about the upcoming primary on February 3rd. Here's Mayan's report. There are fewer than 100 days to go until the South Carolina Democratic presidential primary. And while the South Carolina GOP primary is catching all the buzz, presidential hopefuls include, of course, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and fellow South Carolinian U.S. Senator Tim Scott, the state's Democratic Party chairwoman Crystal Spain doesn't want voters to forget that the state will host not one, but two elections in February. This primary is historic. Right. It is the first time ever that black voters, southern voters, rural voters get to all go first and have their voice heard. So we're definitely trying to make sure that our voters know that how, how, how historic this is, although it's not as exciting, um, but it still is historic. The Democratic National Committee, chaired by South Carolinian Jamie Harrison, voted earlier this year to put South Carolina first on the Democrats' 2024 calendar, followed by Nevada, New Hampshire, Georgia and Michigan. President Joe Biden supported the plan, replacing Iowa's caucus with South Carolina, where black voters make up two-thirds of the party's voting bloc. South Carolina is also credited with giving Biden a boost to the White House in 2020 after struggles in other early voting states. Now South Carolina will go first on February 3rd. Meanwhile, South Carolina's Republican presidential primary will be held February 24th. Though New Hampshire has not set a January primary date, Democratic leaders there have vowed to go first, saying state law mandates it. Last month, Biden's campaign wrote a letter to the state's party chair indicating that the president would not file to be on the New Hampshire ballot. In the letter, the campaign's manager wrote, quote, while the president wishes to participate in the primary, he is obligated to comply with the DNC's rules. Until February 3rd, Spain said Democrats will work to get South Carolinians registered to vote and get voters excited about the primary and the Biden administration's work. You know, what we've been trying to do is make sure that Democrats know what the Biden-Harris administration has accomplished. And they, they've, they've done a lot. They've made a lot of historic accomplishments in a very short period of time. And I think the, the, the piece for us is that we feel the impact here in South Carolina, you know, with the infrastructure law. Like you can ride up and down the interstate and you can see those orange <laughs> barrels and cones and all that traffic stopping. Like that is people's vote at work. This is their vote working for them. The, the historic HBCU investment, there are eight HBCUs here, right? So we, we know that, like we, we feel it. Um, the, the PACT law, there are eight military bases. Like the vote is working, the, the, the administration is working. And we're just trying to celebrate and share those accomplishments as much as we can. Spain said the party also plans to hold various events across the state, attended by notable Democrats and Biden surrogates, to engage voters and build awareness. Democrats like House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries, who recently spoke by video to Democrats this month while still in D.C., and Congressman Ro Khanna of California and U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, who both spoke recently in Charleston at the party's Spratt Issues Conference, what was the first of a three-part series, Spain said. And on November 18th, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey will headline a Spartanburg panel on health care and abortion rights. 
Filing to get on South Carolina's Democratic presidential primary ballot opened on November 1st and closes November 10th. Spain said anyone is welcome to file, but the party is sticking right behind Biden. In addition to Marianne Williamson, who filed Monday and unsuccessfully sought the Democratic nomination in 2020, but dropped out right before the South Carolina primary, Biden may have one other longshot challenger on the ballot. Last month, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips announced his 2024 bid. In remarks, Phillips complimented Biden's political tenure, but said the election was about, quote, the future, a nod to concerns about Biden's age. Biden is 80 and Phillips is 54 years old. Just before Phillips filed to get on the New Hampshire ballot, Politico reported that Phillips had not yet reached out to South Carolina Democrats, with Spain calling that a sign, quote, he's not serious. Speaking to South Carolina Public Radio recently, Spain also brushed aside concerns about Biden's age and its particular impact on younger voters, saying Democrats are energized more than ever to help Biden win a second term. I think that Americans, like I said, they they want strong leadership. Like they want more freedoms, not less. Right? They want leaders who are able to get things done. Right? It's a complete circus on the other side, and that's really scary. It's funny at times, but it's really scary. And we need leadership, and we see that leadership every day with uh, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Thanks, Mayan. Now, before we get to those primaries and Election Day 2024 itself. We gotta get to debate night 2023 in Miami. Yes, on Wednesday at 8 p.m., former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott will be on the debate stage in Miami for two hours. That's right, folks. Now, frontrunner former President Donald Trump has qualified for the debate, but will once again skip it. Former Vice President Mike Pence has dropped out of the race, and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum did not qualify for this third debate. Like we said in Saturday's pod, that means that there should be about 17 and a half extra minutes for candidates to use in fielding questions from NBC News' Lester Holt and Kristen Wolker and radio show host Hugh Hewitt. And there will, of course, be some attacks, some zingers, and big moments— We love watching for that, but we all know here at The Lead that not everyone watches the debates. So we promise to bring you the biggest moments along with analysis in Saturday's podcast. We suffer so you don't have to. That being said, we have some idea of what to expect from a few candidates based off what their campaigns are messaging ahead of Wednesday's debate. In a Haley campaign memo obtained by Politico, Haley campaign manager Betsy Inkney says, quote, even if DeSantis were to do well in Iowa, which is a big if, given his current decline, he is in such a weak position in New Hampshire and South Carolina that it doesn't matter. He has no endgame. Quote, in a Scott campaign memo, campaign manager Jennifer DeCasper gives a curtain raiser on her boss's aggressive strategy for getting back in the game, saying Haley and DeSantis will engage in a, quote, slugfest on Wednesday. She said, quote, she'll attack him for the failing candidate that he is. He'll attack her for being the moderate that she is. They'll both be right. DeCasper continued by saying, Does anyone actually believe that a moderate who is running as the darling of never-Trumpers can win the GOP nomination? Nikki's canned lines can't change the fact that her ceiling is low and getting lower. Just ask Iowa Republicans. While nearly 70% say Tim Scott is conservative, just 36% say the same about her. And what about the man, DeSantis, 
who spent $100 million to drop 30 points in the polls. The only thing consistent about Ron DeSantis' campaign is how much it's underwhelmed. Tim Scott has the conservative credentials, R-based demands, the same ones Nikki Haley abandoned. Tim Scott has an optimistic vision voters want, the same one Ron DeSantis can't articulate. Quote, again, that was from Jennifer DeCasper, Tim Scott's campaign manager. So y'all, this debate is going to be a mess. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, if you've ever been to Miami, this is going to be the Miami of debates right here. <laughs> anyway, moving on. DeSantis is going to roll up to Miami with one thing the other candidates won't have the endorsement of Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. This is huge and a surprise since at the outset of this race, the Hawkeye State Governor said she would not be endorsing any candidate. And now, with less than 70 days until caucus day in Iowa, yes, we'll be on the ground for a week bringing you coverage, that script is changing, with Reynolds slowly pivoting over the months to this point right now. Reynolds is set to endorse DeSantis Monday evening. So you're saying, cool, I'm not in Iowa. I don't care. And the Haley campaign says something similar as they try to play it cool. But underneath it all, this is quite a BFD, as Joe Biden would say. That's because Reynolds is incredibly popular in Iowa. Pollster Frank Luntz noted that she has an 81% favorability among Iowa Republican voters. That means she's even more popular than Trump, who sits at 66%. The what? So let's jump back to February when Haley first visited Iowa after her announcement and she was introduced by Reynolds at her first town hall there. Take a listen to what at the time folks were calling everything but an endorsement from Reynolds since it was so glowing. I have the distinct honor of introducing not only a really good friend of mine, uh, but as I said earlier, a former Republican governor, so I'm a little partial to governors, and she done a great job. Uh, and I've really gotten to know Nikki over the past several years as we've traveled together, and I've just been so impressed with her tenacity, her leadership, her ability to lean in, her vision, and really get things done. She has a very successful record as a public servant. She has a servant's heart, I can tell you without hesitation, and I'll tell you, one mistake that most people make in challenging this lady right here is underestimating her. Big mistake, big mistake. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, having you here from Nikki. Uh, she was the, uh, well, let's see, the governor of South Carolina. As I said, you turned the economy around. You were a national leader in economic development, set a record for low uh, unemployment. Then you went on to serve as the ambassador in the Trump administration. And I didn't, who was she? She didn't back down to anybody, did she? Especially when we were taking on the country. After that, Nikki um, traveled the country, really helping support Republican candidates. I was one of them, not just me, but a lot of other uh, elected officials in the state of Iowa. I think she was uh, one of the reasons we saw the big red wave that we had. So Nikki, thanks for doing that. Loved traveling on the bus with some badass women, right? Yep. A Haley staffer told me at the time that the two squealed when they met up backstage reuniting from the campaign trail days in 2022 when Haley endorsed and stumped in Iowa for Reynolds' re-election bid. Reynolds won by a whopping 18 points last November. But we've seen some loyalty issues in the past when it comes to this field. Look again at Haley, who boosted Tim Scott's career by appointing him to fill the unexpired term of Senator Jim DeMint when he resigned a decade ago, and now Scott's running against her. No one says you can't, 
And Scott did subsequently get elected in his own right. But... And hey, I mean, even Haley pivoted from her early gaffe of saying she wouldn't run if Trump was in the race. So, you know, it's all relative here. Speaking of Trump, he sent out an email with the heading, Kim Reynolds to endorse a candidate who will never be president. And it featured data and links hitting the duo. Remember, Trump has had beef with Reynolds because he too endorsed her gubernatorial bid and then felt slighted when she said she wasn't giving out endorsements. No squealing backstage between those two. Lots of promises made, some promises not kept in this world of politics. Stunning. Now, when I was in Iowa following Haley's first swing in February, I spoke with Brianne Foffensteel, the Des Moines Register, about Reynolds and her influence. Brianne is the paper's chief politics reporter who covers Reynolds, the trail, and all things politics in Iowa. She broke the Reynolds-DeSantis endorsement story over the weekend. And here's part of our discussion from back in February. So when we talk about Governor Reynolds and last night, she gave this really, you know, really big introduction, obviously not endorsement, but mm-hmm. a big introduction. Yeah. And, um, you know, what does her just being on stage with former Governor Nikki Haley kind of signal to folks right now? I mean, I think it signals to Iowa caucus go- goers that they should take this person seriously. Clearly, Governor Reynolds had an existing relationship with Nikki Haley that she was able to talk about. She was able to share personal details and really talk about what she knew of of Nikki Haley and not kind of just talking points. It clearly came from from her. And so I think that signals to Iowa caucus goers that they should give Nikki Haley a chance, even in this big field of, of you know, many potential candidates that we're expecting to see. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to endorse anyone or is she going to maybe wait till the very end or any she, idea? She's told me that she doesn't plan to endorse anyone at all. Um, you know, Iowa, Iowans, I think, really... Um, value the Iowa caucuses and the role that they play, and they don't want to necessarily step on the scales in favor of one candidate or another. And that's especially important this year because, um, you know, national Democrats have replaced Iowa with South Carolina on on their calendar. Republicans are doing everything they can to try to protect their own first-in-the-nation status. Haley is chomping on DeSantis's chunky heels for second in Iowa, and this endorsement is likely going to make it a bit harder to close that gap. And again, we're talking about second place. Like in New Hampshire and South Carolina, that's because Trump has been and remains the dominant figure in all the polls. Like I said, Haley World is shaking it off and is focusing on the debate and trying to get the endorsement of another early voting state governor, New Hampshire's Chris Sununu, who is also very popular. Take a listen to this brief piece in which you'll hear Haley, then WMUR's Adam Sexton, who tees up a quote from Sununu. I will start it off, just to kind of break it up a little bit, and I'll start by asking the governor a question. Are you ready to endorse me yet? <laughs> I, I, uh, getting closer every day. Getting closer every day. The official Chris Sununu endorsement is still up for grabs, but Nikki Haley is having fun on the First in the Nation campaign trail with New Hampshire's governor as he searches for a GOP alternative to former President Donald Trump. We have Nikki leading the charge, a more than solid second place here in New Hampshire. More than solid second place. That was three days ago in Londonderry, New Hampshire. So I'm guessing she got a little bit of a heads up there on the pending Reynolds endorsement and wanted to try and pin down Sununu. <laughs> no one puts Sununu in a corner. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't know. Next up, it's been a month since Hamas invaded Israel, killing 1,400 people and taking some 240 hostages. Since then, nearly 10,000 people have died in Gaza, and roughly 25,000 people have been injured, with thousands missing, according to the Ministry of Health in Gaza. 
Foreign dignitaries have been flocking to the region, including President Joe Biden and once again this weekend, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, in a bid to contain the conflict from a broader regional war. U.S. military advisors are in Israel and two carrier groups are in the Mediterranean. Now, like nearly every weekend, there was a South Carolinian on the Sunday talk shows. Senator Lindsey Graham was on CNN's State of the Union with Donna Bash discussing the latest on the conflict, including a non-binding resolution he is introducing with Connecticut Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal that would put Iran on notice if it sought to expand the Israel-Hamas conflict. Here's Lindsey Graham. Well, it basically says if the war expands, if Hezbollah opens up a second front in the north against Israel in a substantial way to overwhelm Iron Dome, uh, then we should hit the Islamic Republic of Iran. There is no Hamas without the Ayatollah support. There is no Hezbollah without the, without the Ayatollah support. The great Satan in the regions, <clears throat> not Israel the, or the United States, is Iran. So Senator Blumenthal and I just got back. Uh, Israel is begging us to deter Iran. They don't want the war to, ride, uh, to widen. If any of our troops are killed in Syria and Iraq by Iranian-backed militias, I think that's an expansion of the war. So the resolution puts Iran on notice that all this military force in the region will be coming after you if you expand this war by activating Hezbollah or killing an American through your proxies in Syria and Iraq. And they need to hear that. They need to believe that. Graham was also asked by Bash about the United States' calls to Israel that a humanitarian crisis inside Gaza risks eroding international support for the fight against Hamas. Well, I think Israel is committed to following the law of armed conflict. One thing I want to say for sure is Israel is not engaged in genocide. And then another thing we need to deal with is the whitewashing of the status of people in Gaza. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would love to be free from uh, Hamas, but the most radicalized people on the planet live in the Gaza Strip. They've been taught since birth uh, to kill and hate the Jews. How do you teach math in Gaza? If you had 10 Jews and you kill six, how many would be left? That's been in their school system. So I'm all for providing humanitarian aid in a fashion that doesn't help Hamas. I'm all for Israel having the time and space to destroy Hamas. I'm all for a new governing regime over the Palestinian people when this is over. And I'm all for Israel and Saudi Arabia reconciling. That's sort of where I'm at. But no pause? No humanitarian pause? I don't want to take the pressure off Hamas militarily, but if Israel can find a way to help the humanitarian situation, yes, I'd like to do it. But after World War II, did anybody ask us these questions? You've got to realize the United States dropped two atomic bombs on cities in Japan uh, to end the war. I think this is total war between Israel and Hamas. I want to protect innocent people as much as possible, but I want the world to realize that the radicalized population in Gaza has been going on for over a decade. This will not be easy. When you've been taught from birth to hate the Jews and kill them all and drive them into the sea, and here's what I think, 80% of the people in Gaza support the idea from the river to the sea. That's has got, that has to change. That again was Sarah Lindsey Graham on CNN's State of the Union with Donna Bash. Welcome to the wind down section, our little, maybe not so little break from the news. We're glad you're here, A.T. Shire, our producer. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Thank it's you. just you and me today. It's okay. Sadly, sadly, it's just us winding down. Actually, it's not just us, Gavin, because we do have a call. Oh! 
Okay, maybe it's not TGIF, but we do have a call, and you know what? It's about TGIF. Oh. So, you know what? It's sort of a little, it's a little win, you know? So, if you're ready, we're going to get to this call that we got uh, only a few hours ago. Are you ready? Yes, please. Okay, here we go. Hey, this is David Ladner from Anderson, and I'm inspired to call. It's a Monday, but I'm listening to the Friday episode. Thank Grace Intern Friday was one of the best segments I've heard on the radio in a long time. I have a daughter named Grace, and so uh, the fact that she brought her dad to be with her was awesome in and of itself. But her biting commentary and her understanding of the way things are in the world is very educational. So I just have to say kudos to Grace and kudos to you guys for bringing her on. And um, I guess the other little thing happening right now, we have a big uh, sort of bond referendum. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but a vote tomorrow, hoping to vote yes for a bond for some schools in Anderson School District 4. Lots of signs out there, yes, no, so curious how that's going to go down. That's definitely local politics. Not sure if you guys are interested in that sort of thing, but it's on our mind around here. And, um, yeah, thanks for all the work you do. Talk to you all later. David from Anderson, thank you. Thank you for calling. That's another Love it. Thank you. father. Love that you were inspired, especially <laughs> on a Monday to call. Uh, and look at this with the Grace praise. We love Grace and her perspective, and we're also glad that she likes us because yes. I don't want to be on her bad side. No. Um, there was also so much with that wind down. We were talking about that. I listened to it over the weekend. I was like, this is so good. Uh, we talked about hat fishing. We talked about height and how her ex-boyfriend claimed to be 5'11". Was definitely five eight according oh, yeah. to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a little side note for our short kings out there: we support you too. Yes, you don't have to be six feet tall or over to this ride. Uh, yes, we're we're pro short king here, but also like people <clears throat> act like short kings get the, this short shrift. No pun intended. But also like, I think short kings are doing just fine. I mean, if you look at Hollywood. Everyone is short. True. Okay? So if you're a short king, you're just going to be a millionaire Hollywood actor. I don't know, man. Like, everybody there is tiny as hell. A.T., have you ever been short? No. No. Almost (laughs) no. Gavin was grilling me on this earlier, and I remembered in third grade was the first time that I was taller than the teacher. I was 6'3 in seventh grade. Everyone thought I was going to be very tall. And you've maintained since then. So, And I just didn't grow since then. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I, I told you <laughs> this morning, I was like, I am six feet tall, right? Like I, 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 I got out of the shower. I went to like the, the doorway. I was like, yes. Where, where's this falling? And I was like, then I got a tape measure. <laughs> I'm right at six feet tall, folks, barefoot. <laughs> so I'm going to put some chunky heels on, get up to 6'2", and just yeah. really feel feel better get about you on myself. Some, get you some cowboy pumps. And, uh, <laughs> some cowboy pumps. Really, like, really dominate the boardroom, you I, know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> From the boardroom. To the well, pod room. To the studio. Yes. Um, I do have some cowboy boots. I also have some cowboy jeans now. I have some Wrangler Ugh, jeans. I don't. I they, don't. They can stand up on their own. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. they're starched to hell? They're just, that's how they're built. That's how they are. They're the, they're <laughs> the cowboy. They're like the um, bull rider ones. I don't know. I saw them on an Esquire piece, and I was like, I'm going to get them because they're only 30 bucks on Amazon. And the, then I got them. I was like, oh, what am I going to do with these things? Your suggestibility. <laughs> My God. First, you I'm going to break them in. And I'm never going to wash them. First, you listen to the show, and you measure yourself. <laughs> and then you see an ad, and you buy it the pants. It was a story, but it was basically an ad. It's a, yeah, that, that's, that's an like ad. It was like, everyone needs to have these jeans. I was like, okay. Mm, sounds like an ad. <laughs> <laughs> We're so pro-consumer here. I'm trying yeah. to lead by example, oh, folks. Oh, uh, what? One 
one thing we want at the end of every pod is you to leave and feel like I need to consume. <laughs> it's the holiday Correct. shopping yes. season. So I how, said, I'm going to get myself something. How do the billionaires feel and I need to go spend? I want to make sure that the Wrangler family is feeling good. Yes. Um, but I did that in the... My brother Colin has a pair of them too. So I didn't, unbeknownst to me, he does. I was like, what do I do with these? And he kind of gave some tips and tricks. Mm. You know, and people, there are the jean freaks out there. They're like, don't wash them. You have to have salvage jeans. So I'm like, I think I'm going to treat them like that a little bit where I just see how, how much I can break them in because the jeans I have right now are Lucky Brand, exclusively mm-hmm. Lucky Brand. Good, brag, brag, brag. Um, and some Levi's, some straight leg ones. But they're all pretty much really worn in, pretty, pretty. I mean, they're a little ragged in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. So maybe these will be, you know, like the new, like you're a new cat. You know, I have my old cats. Mm-hmm. Now I have a new cat. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get these jeans and live on the fringes of society. Yeah, I'm probably going to start wearing a cowboy hat. So I'll have even uh, more height. Oh, that's I'm going to be like fishing. six five in here. That's hat fishing. Yeah, big time. I know. I'm doing everything. That you're going to have a big about. Stetson hat. Oh God, I won't even know how to wear that. I wouldn't. You wear a hat in your office all the time. A baseball cap. Yeah. So what? This is a hat. Different than. I could never wear a cowboy hat. Listen, you could pull it off. I don't think I could wear a cowboy hat. I, w- I think I would look like a backwards cowboy hat Elon Musk at the border. There's you know no- what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Colin was telling me because he lives down in Texas now. So yeah. it's about because I caught him about how to cook venison, which was interesting because I, I just used half a stick of butter. I'd never use that much butter in a it's, dish. It's bold. And it's it just, strong. It I made love everything it. incredible. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a cheat. Butter is a cheat. If you watch any cooking show, you're like, why is it so good? Oh, they're the putting, a full, stick, they're putting yeah. a full stick of butter in I've everything. never done that much because I'm like, I don't need that much butter. And yeah. you're like, oh, that's comes, why I don't do it. This comes back to our, uh, our heavy cream conversation. Same thing. Yes. We're just gritting our teeth and eating the butter. But I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of cowboy-themed stuff from him for Christmas. He's like, yeah, the sheriff's down here. Like, you know, everything's through like the prison industries that yeah. make like belts and like mm-hmm. knife sheaths and all these different things. So I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of different things for Christmas. He needs a big belt buckle. That's the next. One thing, thing I think you're you're underselling or just not thinking about. Mm. Have a blind spot towards right here. I think you could be a big time bolo tie guy. Yeah, I think you I'm would kill that. in like a nice rhinestone bolo tie. Yes, with like like wolf's heads on the ends of the ties. Come on, dude. The hardest thing is just trying not to look like you're trying. And mm-hmm. when I'm doing something like that, everyone's like, "That guy is trying." It's like That's when you why are, I can't deviate from like a polo or a button down. I mean, khakis. you you wore a red shirt to to work, and it was it was <laughs> national news. <laughs> <laughs> or when I wear a polo every like Friday or so during the summer, everyone's like, "What the huh?" Yeah, <laughs> just wait till you see me in sweatpants. Mine's get blown. Oh yeah. Oh, I it's wear sweat- jeans. It's- everyone's like, "What are you wearing?" For, it's so. sweatpants season, okay? Yeah. All right. Anyway, if anyone knows what that means, please call in. Uh, Gavin. Grace talk about that. Yeah, Grace, please come in. Uh, anyway, Gavin, hit the outro. We love all of you for listening. Please call in. Let us know how tall you are. <laughs> you can lie. We won't follow okay? up on Okay, and if you're short, we know you're, you're rich and famous. Anyway, uh, see you guys. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, David from Anderson. Uh, give us a shout like David at 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. AT wants me to be his accountability partner. Oh my god, dude! I'm gonna put that at the end. Hey, there, that, that's that's that's, that's, right? yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good for me. Is that good for you? Thank you. Thank you.